Uh, I still can't believe you've not seen Moulin Rouge. Nope, no Moulin Rouge. Oh, that's just wrong. You know, you don't know what you're missing, little mister. This is uh, episode 16 of On Taking Pictures. We're a weekly podcast. We're doing these every week Mm. for you. That and we really like doing it. I was so going to say, I, I, I think, think we like doing it as much as people like I think listening. we would do two a week. If We have to kind of fight not to do more than one a week. It's true. We got to pace ourselves. <laughs> what else can we do? Let's do another special episode about something. We, we don't want to be gluttons. Right. That's right. Uh, so this is On Taking Pictures, and uh, we, uh, we're a weekly podcast. We talk about you know, the art, science, philosophy behind uh, making images. Not a lot of gear talk. Some gear talk, but not a lot of gear. Um, gear is cool, but we find that kind of the gooey stuff is, is a little more fun, wouldn't you say? I completely agree. Yep. Uh, so my name is Jeffrey Sidoris. I'm from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me is Bill Wadman. Bill, tell him what you, you do. What do you do? I am a portrait photographer, mostly editorial in New York City. Which is good, because we're going to talk about portraits today. We are? That's my specialty. <laughs> Your speciality. It's true. It's all of those things. The pond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we do, hey, uh, we talk about Red River a lot, and uh, so I don't know who uh, somebody wrote in and said, "Yep, yeah, you're always talking about the same kinds of paper. You use the the satin, and I use the polar matte." So I tried some of their polar pearl metallic over the weekend. Okay, and, and uh, I dig it. I first of all, I like metallic paper, and you know, if if you if you don't like the aesthetics of a metallic paper then you're not going to like this but uh if you do like a metallic paper and and for those of you who never printed on metallic it's it's a pearlescent sort of a finish yep um so and stuff it, it, that's white is almost a little reflective yes and in fact that's that's my only caveat really about this kind of paper is if you're shooting things that have a lot of white um they may not look the way you want it to, especially if you're expecting those whites to really pop because they're going to be uh, that, that sort of pearlescent luster finish instead of, instead of a really bright, bright white. But um, it can also have a really interesting look on certain black and white things. It really does. I printed some color things and I printed some black and white and um, I really like both of them, actually. Uh, now, my, my local lab here, Metro, is the lab that we use. They, they only go up to, I think, 11 by 14 or 11 by 17 on uh, the metallic because they're printing it through their, I think they've got a Noritsu machine. Uh, but Red River, you can get all the way up to 24-inch uh, rolls, which is great. So then I can get a roll for my 7600 and print big, gigantic uh, metallic prints. And it's still crazy cheap. I mean, it's a 100-foot roll of this stuff is less than 200 bucks, which right. is really inexpensive. Uh, you know, I wrote a little post on my blog yesterday. I saw that about uh, different how how I different like types of paper and why you want certain types of paper and what the difference is and, and whatever and my thoughts on the matter. Um, but I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. What kind of response did you get? Any response yet? Yeah, well, I, I got a couple of people who are recommending some papers. Uh, the problem is that, like the, some of them are like the hammer mule and stuff. They're expensive. Hand it ends up being is... over a buck a slice for the for the uh, like glossy stuff, and it's like wow, that's a lot of money for an eight by ten piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's that's important to point out. That's a buck a slice for eight by ten, not 
You yeah, know, it's like five dollars a slice for like thirteen nineteen. Yeah, that's that's getting up there. Yeah, um, I mean, if you're selling them, good on you. But yeah. if you're just you know printing out in on spec or something, yeah, I mean, that's look, a lot. Everybody's got everybody's got their opinion on what papers they like. But if you've been using the papers from your uh, manufacturer, or your printer, if you're using Canon or HP or Epson paper, uh, you really should give Red River a shot. Their their products are great. Yep. Um, it's all the Ultra Pro satin. I know you like that metallic now, but <laughs> I do like the metallic for cer- certain things. But again, you know, I, uh, I I still like the matte at the end of the day. All right, that's tr- that's entirely fair. Hey, we we should say uh, something kind of upfront about we were going to do a, another Hackintosh episode. We um, were yes. Uh, we're going to actually build a machine from scratch, but uh, I think we it's going to make great radio. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm attaching the motherboard now. <laughs> yeah. So if you enjoy listening to like the, the NASA radio chatter, you, you're going to love this next show. It's yeah. going to be great. Uh, no, but we decided to put it off two reasons. One, we're waiting for uh, 10.8.1 to be released, which looks like it'll, you think next week could happen? I think it could happen. Developers have it. Usually, I think typically it's been like two or three weeks from okay. the initial release. I'm actually considering uh, installing uh, Mountain Lion uh, tonight. Are you? Yeah, thinking about it. Okay. I mean, I'll back I, up my I'm current. Gonna, I'll back up my wait. current thing. Yeah, I'm gonna wait. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna wait for that. Uh, also, we, we're just uh, Nick and I are are kind of slammed trying to finish up our our first ebook, which we're excited about. The ice cream. The ice cream book. Yeah, it's called Chill. Uh, m- more soon, but it's 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 been it's been tough. It's been a, a an interesting road, but we're very happy with it. I think it looks great. Uh, some beautiful photographs in it. I think I and, have I have uh, I have seen previews, and uh, it's very impressive. Thank you. It thank looks you. like you guys know what you're doing. We're getting there. <laughs> it's a step by step process. That's right. Uh, but just on the Hackintosh thing, one more thing. We are going to build another one, but uh, in the meantime, the guys over at Tony Mac have released. Uh, the multi beast five, which is built for, yep. and uh, they are on it. They yeah. are on it. Yeah, they're good. So, so basically, the stuff that makes all your hardware work on on uh, with all the drivers and all that kind of stuff, and the bootloader bootloaders and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that package that installs all that stuff once you install the OS uh, is out for Mountain Lion, which is very exciting. Is is there another dot release of Chimera in there as well? I think they've updated that a couple yeah. clicks ahead too. Yeah. Okay. So it's all it's all good. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll be back maybe uh, next week. We'll try doing that. Yeah. So I'm watching. I'm reading an article the other day on I don't know Huffington Post or some stupid site about how Ann Curry was at the Olympics covering some stuff for the Today Show. Wait, didn't I thought Ann Curry got fired from the Today Show? She did. But now she just works for NBC News, and as part of her new job at NBC News, she had to go on and do some reporting on the Today Show. Do you see what I'm saying? Awkward. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, did, yeah. So, I, 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 I read that there was no love lost between her and Matt Lauer. No. That- I, uh, for, I, perhaps, yes. I, I think that for some reason Matt doesn't like her or whatever it is. I, I've always had a bit of a crush on Ann Curry, so... Okay. Whatever. Take that as it were. Anyway... Apparently, her first job was following around uh, photographer Adam Pretty, okay. whose work I don't necessarily know, but we can look him up. Sure. Um, 
He's some sports photographer, and she interviewed him uh, about about his his stuff. and And the quote said, "Curry interviewed sports photographer Adam Pretty on his experience capturing athletes on film." Okay, so step one. I don't think that he was actually shooting film. I think it's just that the person who wrote this little report assumes that he was shooting film. Because how many sports photographers still shoot film? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. But why Why would you assume that he wouldn't? There was a, a guy shooting 4x5? There the was? Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Well, at, at the end of the report, Lauer asked if she picked up any tips from the interview. And she said that she learned about layering backgrounds on, in photographs. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm actually kind of surprised if the guy was actually shooting sports, most people don't do a whole lot of compositing in sports pictures because they are in some ways photojournalism. Sure. Uh so I just thought I mean, that shooting the Olympics, I mean, isn't that kind of a situation where you you swap the cards and, and you run to the other event? Yeah, the the editors are going to take care of that for you? Yeah. But I just I just thought that it was it was interesting. It seemed like did you pull up this guy's stuff? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Does he look like he shoots film? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be, I guess. It's interesting. Uh, hmm. A lot of it's composited, so I suppose you could. Oh, uh, see, he shoots a lot of stuff for ads and stuff, too. Right. That's interesting. I like those Adidas ads. I oh, yeah, too. some of these are really composited. Oh, wow. Like, composited in a, wow, way too composited kind of way. Well, unless unless Shaq is actually swimming in a big pool of sharks which you know he's pretty badass so he it, could it could happen it could happen um if somebody's gonna do it it's probably gonna be shack so uh, you know it just it just goes to show that it was just interesting i guess my my it's kind of an odd thing to say though isn't it like yes. that's what you learned that's what you learned and the fact that he's shooting on film which i doubt he's shooting on film but let's assume for the moment you know it sounded very much like what somebody would say what is it like taking pictures of people on film or, you know, capturing them on film. It's sort of that, that the word film has sort of um, entered our lexicon as meaning taking fancy pictures is capturing yeah, them yeah. on film. But nowadays, so few people are actually using film that it's just kind of interesting that it almost it's sort of lost its meaning, you know? It's very odd. Yeah, it was very, very odd. And, we, you know, we got an email from a guy uh, named Sanjay who wrote me last week and he said, I got to say, I 100% agree with your assessment on film photography. I bought that film is not dead book, which I think is the one I was talking about where the guy mm-hmm. said that he didn't have to worry about white balance when it came to right, the film. Right. And ended up purchasing a contact 645 for $2,000. I then spent 600. <laughs> so went from zero to a hundred. <laughs> right. Then spent $645 developing film. The pictures look good, but not, uh, but so do my digital shots. They're just different. Right. Not sure how anyone in his right mind would think film is cheaper overall. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> huh. But it's just, you know, there's there's some uh is, actual is that information. The, that's the premise of the book that it's that film is less expensive? Yeah, it was one of his points, yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah, I, mean, you, I guess it depends on how many pictures you take. Well, it depends on how many pictures you take, depends on what kind of I mean, you can spend you go buy an F6, that's still an expensive body. Sure. Yeah. You could buy you know? a really nice film camera now for less than a really nice digital camera, but once you start taking thousands of pictures, you quickly even up. Sure. And it, I mean, it's still going to be the glass that kills you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the glass that kills you. <laughs> I've heard that. Have you heard that? Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, I just thought that that Ann Curry thing was interesting. Uh, do you have any any less love for her now that you've found that all she learned was how to layer backgrounds? No, I just I still think she's hot. <laughs> Did, okay. Wait, am I wrong in that? I don't know. I, you know what? I I can't honestly tell you. I I can picture in my mind what she looks like. She's cool looking. <laughs> that sums it up. There you go. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. What do you think of that Stephen Shore thing I put up? Uh, I like that a lot. I, I, I'm not familiar with him, Stephen yeah. Shore. Um, I am now, and I, I can say I'm a fan. I really like it. I like, you know, it, it's, it's weird. Nick and I were talking about this the other day. I like photographs that, that somehow portray isolation. Okay, that's interesting. Why is it's, that? It's, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a theme that I find resonates not only with me about other people's work, but if I, if I look at some of my favorite photographs that I've taken, I can see that theme of isolation running through them. Actual isolation or the illusion of isolation? Uh, probably the illusion of isolation. I mean, you know, truth be told, some of these photographs, even, even um, Stephen Shore's photographs, there's this great photo of a girl standing in a pool. Well, for all I know, there are, you know, 30 people just outside of frame, but, but the illusion is that she is the only person for miles. That's the perception, you know, that you kind of pull from this. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's it. I, I don't know. It's, but it is definitely a theme that, that resonates with me very strongly in photographs. Yeah. Uh, so I like things like this a lot. Stephen Shore's got an interesting thing because he, he's, he's known for shooting um, color stuff in the 70s uh, with a big camera with like an 8x10. Wow. In fact, if you scroll down towards the bottom under number five, like that shot of the uh, gas station. Yeah. That's, that's sort of like prototypical Stephen Shore work, um, which, which is a very different aesthetic than I generally subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these points are really good. Let's see. Um, number one, create a visual diary. He's basically saying he takes pictures of people he's met, meals he ate, beds he slept in, art on the walls. Basically, he just takes pictures of all kinds of things. Um, and he did it on a cheap, rolly 35-millimeter camera. Now, this is back in the day, right? This is, I mean, today you can do the same thing with your iPhone. Sure. And um, I try to. Yeah. Uh, number two, shoot color for visual accuracy and realism, uh, which is which is a really interesting idea because to me the blue in that second picture, these, the link to this will be in the show notes. There's a girl in a pool and there's sort of like this light, very light blue water. Almost looks that blue doesn't look quite real to me. Well, the whole the whole image is is shifted toward the magenta, isn't it? I mean, if you're really being honest, look at the concrete, look at the, yeah, yeah. you know, the whole thing is kind of shifted. Um, so is, is that that's accurate? the kind of stuff that happened a lot more in film? I mean, not that you couldn't do that in, in, in digital, but like in digital, I would start playing around with the white balance and the tint to sort of flatten that out. Yeah. Um, I would just bring it into rad lab. That's, that's, well, my there thing. you go. See, <laughs> uh, but it's just really interesting, but you know, there, they use the famous, uh, the famous quote by the John Sarkowski, uh, who said, uh, most color photography, in short, has either been formless or pretty. In the first case, the meanings of the colors have been ignored. In the second case, they've been at the expense of elusive meaning. 
While editing directly from life, photographers often found it difficult to see simultaneously both the blue and the sky, he said in 1976. I think that actually was in an essay that he wrote about the Eggleston guide. Oh, okay. Saying that that well, was you know, so much better Eggleston because Eggleston got of a lot of flack for that when it first came out, yeah? Well, it was the first real big museum that was showing color photography as art, mm-hmm. right? That that show. Um, and I think that some of Stephen Shore's stuff, I mean, this is that very 70s look on stuff. Sure. I, th- I think it has a lot in common with, with Eggleston's aesthetic, um, but with more people looking into the camera and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, number three. He- Which I, I want to talk to you about that when we, okay. when we talk about portraits, because there are some points that I'd like to ask you about. Sure. Uh, number three, he says, uh, date your images. So he says, like, you know, putting cars and outfits and hats, like things that are correct. Then, and he says, uh, you know, we tell ourselves the world was so much more interesting back in Paris in the 1920s and whatnot. Why can't the world we live in be this interesting? Well, it is. It's the people in 1920 didn't think that Paris was all that interesting. They just thought right. it was Paris. Every at the time. generation, there's a longing for those that came before it. Right. Every we, we want everything to feel like the 1950s or 1980s or whatever it is, but the same thing's happening now. And the pictures you take uh, will be 80s. looked upon exactly, but the pictures <laughs> you take now will be looked upon in in fifty years, maybe in, with the same sort of uh, glow. Sure, if there's still a storage medium that supports them. Yeah, I think you know. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, and then he says uh, number four experiment with different formats. Which I think is a good idea. I mean, if you shoot with your digital SLR, try using your phone. If you stick of your phone, pick up some little film camera. Every once in a while, I'll take my like out and just shoot some pictures. Um, the idea of I'm, shooting I'm itching to do wet plate, man. Okay. We've talked about this. I, I've got to. I think you should go buy some chemicals. Yeah. Um, he was shooting like street photography on an 8x10. He would set up an 8x10. and See, I, can't, I can't even imagine that. Lugging that monster around well you I don't mean, lug it around you you drive up to a place you put the camera down and you wait for interesting yeah. things to happen you know um i think even this the aesthetic of street photography has changed though of course it has i mean you know, this stuff it, doesn't look like street photography now no although you know it is interesting i mean this street photography back then i mean i know we just made the comment about the magenta and the water picture mm-hmm. but overall these are not affected pictures these are no. these are no. pictures that are right out of camera, essentially, you know, sure, or something close to right out of camera. I also noticed that in, in a lot of pictures, um, people were better at exposure back in the day. Does that make sense? Like, no. I, I feel like people tended towards slightly underexposing stuff, so stuff didn't blow out, and they didn't mind shadows going dark. I think nowadays we 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 push our pictures so hard to be everything to everybody, you know? See, I, I oh, we think, want detail in the shadows and we want this. It's like, well, yeah. how about we underexpose and actually make some artistic decisions based on exposure? I don't mind shadows going to black. I no. don't, I don't mind losing some detail. I don't mind, but I, I like really punchy images too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I just, I don't know. I just find it interesting that these pictures are in, if anything, a little more underexposed than uh, your average picture would be today if you mm-hmm. auto-expose on a camera. Sure. You know, it's almost like yeah, he's Especially just, this last conclusion shot. That whole right side of the building is, is almost lost. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. But I like that. I, I like having to really look and see if there's anything interesting right. there. Where I feel like if I had taken this picture down in, you know, San Antonio or wherever it probably was taken, um, and brought it, brought the raw file into Lightroom, I would just by habit pull up the shadow slider and give detail to that street in the middle. Mm-hmm. Probably to my detriment. Maybe. You know, um, it's maybe like there's a what, there's a project for you in there somewhere. Maybe maybe you 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 know sort of expose to the left and leave it that way and try yeah. and fight against that and see what you come up with as a as a small body yeah, of work. Underexposing. It's interesting. Anyway, Stephen Shore. Uh, five things you can learn from Stephen Shore in street photography. Uh, I like this stuff. Yeah, well, look at the price of gas on that Chevron fifty seven nine. <laughs> 57 cents. I remember when I was a kid in high school when I was a kid. Uh, so let's say 1990. Yeah, that you could get gas for around a dollar a gallon. Yeah. And we used to buy gas. My sister and I used to buy gas. My father drank Miller Lite beer. And we used to buy gas, enough gas for the week on my father's beer returns. Wow. Isn't that funny, though, that you could actually even consider doing that? Now you go yeah. fill your car and it's like $60. Yeah, yeah. Or at least I've heard that. I don't. I don't know. Cars. <laughs> not having a car. Yeah. Not not owning a car for the last twenty years. I really have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. But you are aware that there are these things called cars. I am aware that there. And every time I rent one, if I'm somewhere, it always Wait, is just don't like. Don't you this, have like zip cars all over the place in Manhattan? They do Isn't have that- zip cars. Um, I don't generally use. I mean, I have. I do have a zip car account. Huh. But I use them maybe once a year. It's usually for shoots and things, but. More often than not, I'll just call a car and have somebody drive me. Do you have a bicycle? Uh, I do own a bicycle. I haven't used it in four years. Actually, uh, Dan and I fixed up my bike last year, and then I put it right back where it was. <laughs> I'm actually gonna I'm gonna sell it to Craig. I think because uh, I don't ever use it. I don't know. It's just not interesting to me. Craig lunch, Craig. Yeah, Craig yeah. Ward. He's a monster. Yeah. Uh, talented guy. Yeah. From, yeah, you from know, what little you've, I can't, I you can't talk about specifics, but we were working on a project last week and we had to shoot some metal for this company, which I think, what? I, I think metal. Okay. Sheet of metal with some stuff cut out of it. And, um, and it went back to the client and apparently the comments from people are that it looks too good. It looks like it was Photoshopped. Nice. It's like we did such a good job trying to make it look like the comp that apparently it looks too much like the comp. <laughs> we could have just used this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, really? So they're finding ways to make it look wrong. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of s- so stupid. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, it's it's sort of a compliment, but then not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, you know, let's save this to the end. Because we can talk about it when we talk about the guy. The uh, guy? We're talking yeah. about the guy? The guy. Uh, hey, so I've started, I've, ins- I've installed Instagram. I don't want to install Is there Instagram. a sound for hell freezing over? Hell <laughs> just froze over. Would that, would it, yeah. Is that how it sounds? Yeah, pretty much like Something that. like that? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. And, it, it, because I've decided that I, I need to be more open-minded. Wait, what now? I know, right? It's like a whole new world. It's like invasion. Of, what have you done with Bill? <laughs> I, I guess my thing and I'm is I'm selling that, all my Canon glass and I'm going to shoot Nikon. It's, it's, it's a don't knock it till you try it thing, right? So I have to put my mouth, my 
We're, we're, okay, here's my thing about Instagram, about the people that bash on Instagram. Like me. You, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you don't have to use the filters. I mean, if you want to be all pure about it and just put up a different photo Square stream, picture every day. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, you don't even have to shoot it with the Instagram app. You shoot it with whatever you want. Shoot it with 645 Pro, shoot it with, right. you know, Matbox, shoot it whatever. Um you don't have to use their filters. And that was my initial thing about it. Was I don't I didn't want to use the filters. There are some that I that I kind of dig, but you know, like anything else, you can overuse them. You know, I don't uh, mind the filter. I've realized that I don't mind the filters quite as much as I mind the borders. Okay. It's the borders that bother me. I wish they they would export full res. Oh, I mean, well, they you, should you, do you that can, too. You can save the the original photograph in your in your camera roll, yeah, and then just spit out the the affected one. But I, I'd like to see, and, and maybe there is a way to do it. I don't know, but uh, I'd like to see full res. They so, do, it still doesn't do that. I don't think so. I so, think they're still small. Maybe I'm wrong. So what I'm thinking of doing is I'm going to start shooting every day and putting them up on Instagram and see how I feel a week from now. I don't know. Just an experiment. You don't it know where could, you're going to put them up? Well, I'm going to put them up on, I, I think my, I use my username is Phil Madman. Okay. You just cut out for a second. So it, it went, it went to blank. Okay. Do you hear me now? I do hear you now. Okay. Uh, uh, so I'm going to put them up there and see what happens. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And 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 we're gonna we're gonna see what I come up with. Uh, now, are you? Uh, this we is, actually this have is, never talked about this. Really. This are you is a getting big outside of my shooter? box? This is yeah. getting outside of my box. Um, do you shoot with your iPhone a lot? I have the iPhone four. I do not have an iPhone four S. Okay. Um, and it's fine. But um, you know, I I use it every once in a while. I'm not a huge shooter. It's you know, a lot of times it's too slow for me. Okay. Like getting it, get you know, loading up the camera and actually taking the shot and not having it be blurry or whatever it is. A lot of times it just kind of frustrates me. Um, so I tend not to, uh, but I do sometimes, you know, usually more still objects. And every once in a while I'll put something up on Twitter or something that I've taken on my phone or on, on uh, a lot of times like that, you, that picture of that dead bird that you liked from a couple of years, like last year. Yeah. Uh, I think I shot that on my iPhone. I, yeah, I, I, well, see, that's another thing. I like dead birds. That's uh sounds like a personal problem. We should have you talk to somebody about <laughs> I, I did a series of paintings of, of dead birds. Really? Yeah. Why dead birds? I don't know. I, I, you know, it's when I would bike a lot more than I do now I, and I would come across one like weirdly in the road. Um, I would, I would take photographs of it and then, and then come home and do like painting I did a few painted variations on it. I don't know why. I don't know. One was a crow. That was kind of cool. Uh, but it didn't work out so well. It was by the time I got back to photo, I didn't have my camera with me. Uh, and by the time I got back to photograph it, one of the uh, people cleaned it up. Oh, that always yeah. happens. <laughs> but, but Does it always happen? But yes, hell is freezing over and I am using... That's pretty cool. I'm curious to see what you're going to come well, up like with. Like I said, it's it's all about our getting out of our own little comfort zones. And Absolutely. My comfort zone is not with taking pictures with my phone, and and I do make fun of people for doing it too much. But, um, you know, don't knock it until you try it. So here, here's, here's to... There's some amazing around. 
iPhoneography. There absolutely there. is. There there are people who are monsters with their little camera phones. Yeah. Maybe I'm and just not good at it. Well. Maybe that's what it is. Well, you know, I mean, I think my friend Claude has intercut iPhone 4S video with 5D video, and you can't tell. Huh. Well, that's I mean, pretty- you know, within. Reason, within you know, reason, if you have enough yeah. light and you're trying to get a certain look, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. The, 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 the thing that's different, and I think this is the thing that's most different, is obviously the just the logistics of it is is holding this this little block out in front of you. Sure. It completely changes, you know, the way you see. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I I think it'll be fun. And then you know what else I did this week? I actually played around with video a little bit. I saw that. I like that. You posted the, the video of your 4x5 shoot. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. I'd like to see you do more of that. That's that's fun. Uh, so my friend Claude, the video guy. Uh, so was he was over. your camera guy. Yeah. So we were. he was over and this kid came over to get his picture taken for this like one shot project I'm doing. My buddy Everett. And, um, and we just started doing it and then I noticed... Claude had picked up my Mark III with a 51.2 and was just shooting some video of, of our shoot. And we shot two pictures and then took the video into Premiere and we were editing it together and then he had to leave and then I edit, I finished up the editing. Um, and I kind of intercut them so that it, it looked like we actually were taking one picture, but we actually took two pictures. And the actual picture that's at the bottom is a little unfair because we didn't actually use the flash with the picture that you see the results of. Uh, oh, the the ring flash? You didn't yeah. use it? Well, I used the the modeling lights on it for the for the Fuji Instant because it's 3200 ah, okay. speed. Okay. And then for uh the real picture, I also took a slice of uh Provia uh with the big camera, which I have to I was, you know, I forgot to bring in today, which I'm kind of pissed at myself because I was right next to my lab at Eisenberg's eating meatloaf. Um Eisenberg's it's good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, it cut together fine. And you know what? Video is kind of fun. Well, you, 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 you made consumer. a comment the other day of, of how you had never, even when you had your Mark II, you, you never shot video with it. No, I, yeah, I never do. Um, the only time I do, I have, is when I do those little things for Zay Frank. Right. Those little, uh, I guess, with the assignments. Yeah. Um, I've done some of those for Zay, and, and, and those... You know, I use my camera, but I just, I just put on a, a lens and stick it up on a thing, and you know, like yesterday. Um, I think anyway. video is fun. I, I would love to do more video. I've been following recently. It's very uh, time consuming. Yeah, uh, been following Philip Bloom. Do you know him? Uh, no. Philip Bloom. Uh, I think it's philipbloom.co.uk. Uh, English fellow that does a lot of, of video, pretty big in the in the DSLR video realm. Um, but lots of, of great information from him, lots of really cool tips of, of how to shoot and what not to do. And uh, I've been learning quite a bit. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Even, even that little behind-the-scenes thing we did, it's amazing what you can get out of uh, these, these cameras nowadays, the video quality, you know? Sure. Um, well, I mean, especially the, the Mark II and the Mark III, they're, you know, fantastic video quality for DSLR. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, the footage is beautiful, especially with a really fast lens. You know, you get this sort of creamy backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, with the short depth of field, you know, uh, it's good stuff. 
Yeah, I, I definitely want to get more into it. Although I'm, I am, as we've talked, I am cameraless at the moment. Yeah, well, you're gonna. What are you gonna wait till September? I'm gonna wait till September. I'm gonna wait until Photokina and see what comes out from uh, a couple different camps. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at. Uh, the full frame offerings from Nikon and Canon, but uh, there's a there's a dark horse in there, and that is Panasonic and their new GH3. Um, the GH2, the predecessor, uh, is is uh, the firmware is able to be hacked, and you can achieve just some incredible video results with this camera. And it's like a seven hundred dollar camera. Okay, I've seen it. The problem I have with any of these medium these four thirds camera micro four thirds mm-hmm. is just the speed, the reaction of them. If you're used to an SLR and you go use a camera where essentially there's an interface between you and the picture getting taken, mm-hmm. um, where it's not mechanical, it's like this weird, it's, I find it very unsatisfying, which is part of my thing I, with I the phone. I think they're getting pretty good. I see. I played with the GH2 and I mean, it was nice, but I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that just felt sort of second level. You know what I mean? Like two steps well, removed. It is. I mean, yeah. when you're comparing a $700 camera to a you know $3,500 camera, sure, there's going to be some some trade off. But yeah, but even a $700 camera Micro Four Thirds versus say a T3i or a you know okay D5000 okay. or whatever the heck the equivalent Nikon would be. Um, I mean, you you get advantages in that it's smaller and it's lighter and you know uses these pancake lenses and all that kind of stuff. But I think that you, you lose something in. Uh, uh, um, distance from your subject. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like, sh- it's like even like when you're shooting with your phone, it's just not, it goes back to our whole illusion through the viewfinder kind of thing. Sure. Um, I never, I don't feel that when I use those little cameras for some reason. So if uh, all things being equal, you, you would go with the full frame. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you could find a $1,200 full frame camera, well, r- rumor has it the D six hundred is going to come out at at fifteen, and that's, that's not bad. That's that's a pretty tasty deal. I wonder right how high res it'll be. They're saying twenty four point two, really uh, megapixel count, and uh, um, I forget what the what the high ISO thing is. Probably one hundred twenty eight thousand or something. I will. I would be interested in that. I mean, so it sounds like it could be good. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. Just it's just weird. But it's just it's it's a it's a diff it's everyone's got their personal preference, right? My buddy sure. my buddy Carlos is traveling the world right now, like literally traveling the world, and um, and he uh, he all he's carrying is that the the which one did you say? The, the GH two GH two, mm-hmm. and he's doing videos and he's doing stills and he's posting stuff all the time. He's like a monster with the thing. But uh, interesting. Now yeah. is he when, when's he back? Uh, a year from now. Oh, wow. So he's gone for a long time. Yeah. Uh, let me see if it's, I think it's pitzips.com. Pitzips. Minimalist travel. Pitzips.com. Interesting. Yeah, this is my buddy. Uh, huh. He's, uh, yeah, he's really, really great. And he, um. Interesting. Traveling all over the world. And he's just got that with like two little pancake lenses on it. No kidding. Yeah, in fact, I'll have to look through this. Maybe we can put this in the show notes if people are interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His his gear list thing is amazing. Here, I'm gonna put the gear list thing because he uh, he 
he has everything he is going to carry has to fit in one backpack for a year. Wait, wait, wait. Not just his camera gear. Everything. Wow. Everything fits in one REI Flash 18 day pack. Okay, now see this. This is this kind of really builds on. Our, you talk about going outside of your comfort zone. It includes a laptop uh, too. What was the impetus? Oh for no, this? he's got it, two com- bags. He's got a. It's a Duker Futura is what he uses. Uh, okay. He's going to travel the world, so he decided. Yeah, he's got the GH two. Uh, he's got a um, a GoPro, um, a couple lenses, and 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 I mean, as far as equipment, and he's got a little audio recorder, like one of those little Zoom recorders. Sure. And a gorilla pod, um, and a reflector. Wow. But that, what an but exciting like, trip! Yeah, and he's just traveling the world. And he has like three pairs of pants and two pairs of two shirts, and you know. And and what was what was the the impetus behind this? Why was this just a I, I need to do this now before I can't do it? Or what, what was the what was how did this project come about? We should talk to him. Yeah, he just decided to to leave. I don't know if he has enough connectivity to get him on the show, but. Uh, if we yeah. could get him like on a, a brief Skype thing, that he's would be doing awesome. Everything, yeah, he's doing everything with Skype just on Wi-Fi. He doesn't even have a cell phone with him. It's like Google Voice and, and whatever else. Oh, you need to shoot him an email and see if we can talk to him somehow. Yeah, he's that my would buddy. be really interesting. He's a, he's a good guy. Huh. Uh, uh, he has this little uh, Lenovo X series laptop. And he's backing it all up to a pogo plug plugged into a laptop in New York. No kidding. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. So whenever he's on Wi-Fi, it's uploading whatever he was doing up to like another backup back at home. Huh. That's fantastic. That is that's inspiring right there. Yeah, Carlos I like is, that. is a bright guy. I shot him during three sixty five portraits, and uh, and he's a uh, he's, he's yeah. A good shoot kid. him a note. See if we can get him on. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Uh, hey. All right. So what are we talking about today? Well, you wanted to touch on the 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 exploitation. Are the the uh, yeah? Did you see these pictures? I did. Uh, there's a there's a photo series going around. It's been on a couple of the different uh, sites. It was I think it was Design Taxi that picked it up first. Um, photos of albinos. Sure. Uh, I, the, the title is horrible. It's uh, photographer captures albinos in thought provoking photo series. Um, exactly what makes these thought provoking? Other than the fact I don't that these know. people I, are very pale. I find the, 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 the title of that piece almost more demeaning than, than I think the photographs are. It's condescending. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess this, this, this sort of flows into. I mean, they're portraits. I don't know that they're any more or less thought provoking than any other photographer's portraits are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, th- I mean, I guess that's part of what I wanted to talk about in that, uh, you know, are these, better portraits because these people are albino. I don't know. Is, is, and if, if you're doing a project and you're saying, you know what people will look at and will send around pictures of albino people. Right. Is that right? Is is it a hook? Is that the hook that's, that's, that's getting these sent around? Yeah. And if so, is that me, is that an exploitive concept? You know, is the idea of finding people like, uh, you know, there's people who, um, even that other thing you put up where they had models that look like they're beat up and cut and stuff right. like that. Right. They're these beautiful women and they have like cut across their face or whatever it is. And I, we think it's makeup, so it's not like they actually did it. I would hope that it would be. Yeah. But, but is that art or is that, or is that, you know, you know I, I don't know. Where's the line between coming up with an original idea, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, finding exactly. something Whatever that, that happens to be 
oh, novel, and therefore will be centered around on Facebook a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I always worry. I always shy away from projects like this for just that reason. Um, although recently, you know, it's funny because the uh, the Avedon Out West series stuff. Right, in the American West. Yeah. Um, I did not know until years later after I saw those pictures that he had uh, teams out West finding these people and setting them up for him. Yeah, apparently yeah, they would, they would run casting ads. Teams. Yeah. yeah, they would run ads in local papers and, and, and find uh, one of the stories, particularly about the, the guy that's covered in the bees. Yep. You know, uh, they would. You're right. They would find these people, and and he would meet with them and say yay or nay, and yeah. and and shoot them. So the idea that you know Richard Avedon was out there making every man, quote unquote, uh, look special and and Avedon esque is a crazy fantasy. Mm-hmm. He he was picking people that he thought looked interesting. Sure, and that's that's. That's exactly it. Right. Is do you look interesting? You could and even you could even claim that a lot of those pictures are themselves exploitive. Sure. In the same kind of way. But is there a line somewhere? You, you know, know, there there's uh, an interview during Drabbles, I tried to pick people that looked striking. That in fact that was the original name of the project. Striking? Striking. Because I was looking okay. for people who were striking. And I think I got a lot of them, and I think that people are interesting looking. But where yeah, so where's that line between I want people who will look like something on film or, and then on the other side of the line is I'm going to choose these people because they look weird enough that people will want to look at them like they're freaks or something. Well, and that's, I think that's the difference with, with maybe these versus Abaddon. There's a, if you, if you watch the documentary about Abaddon there, or one of the documentaries there, they, they talk to, there's a girl that he shot for in the American West. Who's just in like a, a pair of overalls. Okay. Yeah. And they talk to her years later and how uh, talk to her about how uh, exploited she felt by these photos. And and Avedon is sitting there explaining to her, look, I didn't, you know, this this wasn't the goal of this, you know, project. Uh, um, But I think with something like. So what was the goal of the project then? Well, I I don't think it was to exploit people. I think he was just looking for what was interesting. I think he was looking for a cross section of interestingness. Yeah. Uh, that happened to be in this area of the country where he was. But is, I guess my, there's a fine line between interesting and, um, tragic. Okay. And I, and I completely agree with you. And I think that this, it's a very fine line that this, this albino series could slip into yes let's you know it's it's the the difference between let's look at this because it's interesting or let's point a finger and look at this because it's interesting right right exactly and you know and these pictures are certainly affected on top of the fact that these people happen to be albino sure these are obviously like colored and saturated in such ways you know Mm -hmm. um i don't know i just i it's it's it it kind of makes me I go in circles around the whole idea. Well, it's there's a there's a there's a bigger discussion here, and it's it's something that that we talked a little bit about offline of of the goal of portraiture. Yeah, sure. Uh, are you are you simply documenting that this 
person or, or people were in front of your lens? Or are you looking for something that isn't readily apparent if you were standing face-to-face with these people? Right. Or is there something else entirely are that you, you are trying to bring to the surface? Are you trying to make them look as good as they can? Or are you trying to, you know, are, are you trying to always put their best face forward? Right. Because or, there's, there's certainly room for both camps. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this all depends on what you're trying to do. But let's say, like, portraiture from a more artistic point of view. Um, is, is, as I, I wrote down the notes there, reality versus fiction, truth, or reality versus fantasy, truth versus fiction. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you have a girl and you have her do, you know, a half hour of makeup and a half hour of hair and have really beautiful things on her, your clothes and whatever, well, that's not how she normally looks. You know, you're you're... You're you're making her up. So is she even that person anymore? You know, is that a portrait or is that I don't know some sort of beauty shot or something, some glamour shot? Um, I was I, I took some pictures of a guy last week, and they're sort of um, they were sort of uh, corporate headshot kind of things, and he does talks places, and I got decent pictures of him. Although I I don't think I had a I had an off day. I don't think I got great pictures of him. And why do you think that was? Um, I had taken a week and a half off because my camera was in the shop. Uh, I just wasn't feeling it. You know, some mm-hmm. days it just doesn't work. Sure. And, and he had a certain look, you know, that he had, he had ways about his face that didn't necessarily work in photographs. Okay. If that's the fair way of saying it. Were you given kind of free reign uh, creatively what yeah, you wanted to do yeah, or were I, there expectations levied on you? He really liked that picture I took of Zay Frank. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so we did some like that using uh, some Kinoflow lights that were actually uh, at the studio he was at. Mm-hmm. So I was using hot lights and they came out fine. I mean, if I was really doing that shot, I would have brought more lights and had like a nice light on his hair and all that kind of stuff and the background but I didn't have any, I didn't have other lights to set up, at least not ones that were color balanced correctly. Um, but, it, but, but I've been, you know, I've been working on the picture since then and, and, and retouching them and whatever it is. And if you saw the final picture that we ended up with, I don't know that if you saw that picture and then said, Oh, I want to meet that guy. If you met him, if you'd go, Oh, he doesn't look like his picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that. So if, is there a disconnect there that, that, that you find bothersome personally? Like you, you do you artistically? Yes. Okay. Um, because is I, it because it's still referred to as a portrait? Do you think it should have some other name if it's like if that? It's, we need to, we need to subdivide portraiture up into, yeah, maybe what, what, what is it for? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I want to make people look good, but at the same time, I'm not going to take the same picture of everyone because that's how everyone looks best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you had some questions, right? Did you have some particular things you wanted to know? Well, yeah, I mean, you, there, there are certain photographers that that photograph in a, in a uh, a fairly consistent manner. Um, some people don't have a kind way of putting it. (laughs) There's a, there's a tendency to not have the subject look into the camera. Yes. Versus every subject has to look. Some, some photographers will insist that, that it is that connection with the eyes that makes the portrait work. I tend to lean towards their, 
their view. Okay. I, I like eyes. I am in the other camp. Yes, you are. I want to see what that else is why is we will never be friends. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no accounting for taste. And <laughs> okay, no, you, you, no, is see. Here's the thing, and this is not a rip on you. I, I just, I'm honestly asking. Uh huh. I sometimes I see pick people who take pictures of people always looking away or looking somewhere else, and I wonder if. The reason why they do that is because taking picture of somebody with their eyes looking at the camera. It's not that it's more difficult to do photographically, but it's a very, it's a much more intimate shot. It's harder to do well and get it to communicate. You see what I'm saying? I think it can be. I, 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 I don't somebody think you can make a off, blanket statement like that. Uh, no, I'm, I, I, and I don't mean it as a blanket statement like all the time it is, but I, th- I feel like sometimes people use the looking off into the distance as a crutch. Okay, I don't even think it's it's necessarily looking off into the distance. It's it's just an offset. It okay. doesn't have to be, you know, I'm pondering the nature of man versus the universe. It, it doesn't have to I'm be. I'm doing some- that right now. Are you really? Yeah. How's that working out for you? Uh, it's 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 great. Yeah. <laughs> Wise guy. Uh, you know, it it. I don't know that it has to be something so obvious. The 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 thing that I find about some photographs, some portraits looking into the camera is that's a moment. Okay. That, that's a moment. And I, and I find that often I'm more drawn to the moments between the moments. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. That must've cost you a few cents of pretension. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's more, the, the, it's like, you're ready it's, for it's this. less the moment. It's more the, I don't is it the moments between the moments or is it the overall feel of the setting that you're in at that time? You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that's it too. Like it's almost or like it's you're, tr- you're using, you're using the eyedropper tool in Photoshop with a 20 by 20 inch grid on it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's sort of, it's, it's not precisely where you want, but it's this overall thing that I'm trying to capture. Maybe that's, yeah, that's actually a pretty good way to put it. Um, it, it, the, the looking straight at the camera, because then the expression has to work and the gaze has to work and the eyes have to be open and they have to be open equally and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Which is fine if, if, if the photograph works. And that's, that's, I think, what it comes down to is does the photograph work? And I don't think you can make a statement where they always have to be looking into or they always have to, have to be looking away from. I think that what you just said about, I want to capture the essence of what was happening, not necessarily this precise moment where they happen to make perfect eye contact with the camera. Sure. Okay. That's fair. It's funny because I, I tend towards the more Cartier-Bresson philosophy, even in portraits where I'm spending time with somebody, I'm taking pictures of them and really I'm just waiting for that. I'm like a hunter. I'm just waiting for that moment where they let down their guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to find that but one. That's moment. kind of the same thing, isn't it? That's that's kind of that's kind of them not just staring into the camera or or making yeah. sure that they're I making. I don't want them to try. Mm-hmm. The, the the trick to getting a great portrait, I think, is having the people not trying. Sure. 
Well, look, what, what is my favorite probably, probably, because it changes, but by and large, what is my favorite portrait of yours that you've taken? You have a favorite portrait of mine that I you've do. taken? The one it's, of Heather? No, uh, Party. <laughs> oh, you love Party. <laughs> that, that is my favorite picture. And she's not looking at the camera. She, but, but she's not, there's something else there. I think it would have been disingenuous had she been looking at the camera. She's a good actress as well. You know, and I think it's incumbent upon, and this is a lot of photographers don't realize this, it's incumbent on the photographer to get that from their subject. And I think a lot of photographers just expect their subjects to bring it. Yeah. And there is a. And, you know, as I get older and I have shot, I mean, I've taken pictures of hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yes. Um, In my life, probably a you know, over a thousand people. Um, and I used to be more passive Mm -hmm. and sit back. And it was all about, you know, it was about wearing them down in a very passive way, you know, Mm -hmm. almost a passive aggressive kind of way. Like I'm going to do what I do and I'm just going to have to wait for you to end up where I want you to be. Um, which may or may not work. Which may or may not work. Yeah. And when it does, it's beautiful. But there are subjects that you can't do that with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, you're a director. Yeah. And, and, and you, But I the, also the, don't want to go the other way and be that guy who is just always telling people what to do. Here, turn your face this way. All right, do this. Right. You know, look this way. Okay, I got what I need, baby. Act like a monkey. You know, like that whole thing. I never want to be enough, that guy. You, you did use in a photo session just recently. Um, yes, I did. I told somebody <laughs> to look like a, act like a monkey. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't ever want to be that guy either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very difficult line that I toe all the time and battle with constantly in my own head. It's, it's amazing how much more thinking I do about my portraits when I'm not taking them. When I am versus taking, when you're actually on set. When I'm actually taking them, I'm too involved in actually taking them. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not thinking about this stuff when I'm taking pictures. I fall back into what's automatic because I have to let a bunch of stuff go on autopilot because there's so many other things to think about. Which, if it works, is great. Is, is great. But if it doesn't work, and and those that autopilot takes over. And you end up being frustrated later on with your photographs and can't figure out why. Yes. That's where that becomes a problem. Right. And I think that that happened a little bit last week. Um, okay. With, with this portrait with that this you did. this guy, yeah. Okay. Um, and the pictures are fine. And he says they're the best pictures anybody's taken of them, blah, blah, blah. But they don't satisfy me in any way. Um, mm. So it's 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 an interesting... It's a t- this is very tough decisions to make, you know. I mean, because there's 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 the actual technical taking of the picture and all the settings and making sure you're getting stuff that works and stuff that looks like something compositionally. But then on top of that, portraiture is also about interfacing with the subject and trying to get them to fit into this whole other thing that you're building with the settings and the background and the, you know. Um, See, I, I would almost say that that is, that's what portraiture is. And 
the other stuff is secondary. Portraiture is a dance. And it's about it's 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 about getting yourself and your subject uh you know moving to the same beat. Mhm. Mhm. Um and, th- and that's really like a lot of what it's about. Uh it's, it's, is it, it still a portrait if if there's nothing connecting with the lens of the camera in terms of of looking? Because this is another thing I meant to ask you. And yeah, I'm sorry to no, interrupt I, you. No, I know, I, I, I do. Yeah. The photo of Craig, for example, yeah, the, I, the, at the I, typewriter, is yeah. that still a portrait? Yes, I, okay. I think so. Although I don't think that every picture of a person is a portrait. See, again, that's that that's that's the line. That's the dance, right? Right, but that but that's a very. I mean, you could go back and forth around that all the time. I mean, what what I do, it's it's what I hope that I do. Um, I think it's as, as it's as close to seduction as anything else. You know, I'm trying. I'm inviting the person to get in bed with me. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they. They, if, if they don't say yes, there's very little I can do. You know, I mean, I can get, I can get passable pictures of somebody who doesn't want to get their picture taken. Sure. But those ones that you get that are really, really special, either it's just blind luck or it's a lot of work and that work involves interpersonal relationships. Sure. Um, and it's, and uh, you know, I use the term wearing them down, but that sounds like I am somehow, pulling one over on the subject and and i don't it could i think i think you could interpret it that way sure and, and there are times when it is that where where because they're putting up such an affront it is a game to get them to open up mm-hmm. but the, the times when you're doing it and the person might be nervous and maybe that's why they're closed up at first and you can slowly sort of open them up to the point where it's like it's I mean, you, the, 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 the Machiavellian person would say that they're putty in your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, it, hold, hold right there. Is there not a, in a direct, Not in a directive sense. Not in a, okay, now lose the top kind of sure, sense. Sure, sure, sure. Is there a difference in your ability to connect? Let's, let's, let's digress to gear for a second. Um, You've got your 5D, you've got your, let's just say your, by and large, your digital SLR up to your face. Yes. So your subject is not, by and large, interacting with you. They're interacting with your camera. Um, True. Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Contrast that with the way you would shoot, say, with your your Hasselblad or even a Roly, where... You've got the camera physically below your face, so there is that connection with your face, with that other human being. Is that different? Is it better? Is it worse? Um, I think it's different, but with your first example, I generally, I'm not the kind of photographer who has the camera at their eye all the time. Okay. I'll have it down. I'll be chatting with you, and just as you get going, I might pull it up and take a shot or two. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm constantly up or down. Um. And I don't take that many pictures. I mean, if I but take 100, think, 150 pictures, that's a lot. Do you think that in and of itself can make a big difference? Because there are those people that are really intimidated by a camera. It's true. Um, and no, that that is true. Uh, it's also a reason. I mean, people always ask me why I tape up my cameras. And that's one of the reasons. Um, 
So that if they are looking at the camera, there's not 43 different symbols and signs and model numbers and logos all over it. Okay. It just becomes this sort of non Sort of black, black thing, thing, yeah, with yeah. a piece okay. of glass in the front. Okay. Um, I, sometimes I think it's it's the cam- you almost have to have the person trust the camera as much as they trust you you know um that 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 they have to portray to the camera what they want the best of themselves okay See, this is all interesting to me because this is something that I'm very much, as you know, I'm very much in the process of working through. Right. In some ways, I feel like a lot of this stuff has gotten away from me. The more technical you make shoots, the more this stuff gets lost. Okay. The more lights you have involved, the more people you have involved. This is it becomes much more difficult. This kind of stuff that I'm talking about works best when it's a single light or two and it's just you and the subject and you have no time constraint, you know, where, where I have, I have taken pictures of people where I've had an intimate, an incredibly intimate time with somebody, you know, experience an intimate experience with somebody more intimate than people I may have even slept with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like sometimes it gets really, if it was sexual, it would be hot, but it's not sexual. It's more of a trust thing. Sure. You know, where, where it's, it's really two humans discussing humanity. Okay. So you there's know? a vulnerability there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, and there's, yeah. it's, it's sort of, um, it can be, it can sometimes be, the, the best of it is often, like, the, the, the best things that can happen in life are those kinds of things where you and another person are synced at that level, you know? Sure. It, ma- it, re- it makes you feel alive. Does that make sure. sense? No, no absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's, it's only happened a couple times, but, but it, it makes the times between those little things. Yeah much more important i think it's it's a huge rush and it is precisely why i take the pictures that i do okay i love that part of it and if 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 that trust if that intimacy leads to a photograph that is special then that's that's my ultimate goal sure um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing, but it's funny. I generally don't like getting my picture taken. See, I, I hate having my picture taken. I know you do. Hey, let it. me take your picture once. I know, but hated it. You did. Are you, I just, it, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable in front of a camera. Are you saying, I mean, it's, are you saying we didn't have any intimacy? <laughs> no. With oh, 14 no. other photographers around that's, in front right, of the right. Disney. Uh, it's you know we we were gonna we were thinking about doing some video promotion for the book and i just i can't do it like have you you and nikki standing talking yep just you know talking about why hey what is this and why do we do it did you shoot video when you were taking the stills for the book 
uh, like a little bit. Sort of painting across the the ingredients, yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We've you got know what? Some intercut intercut a, a minute of that, and then just do some voiceover. I think that's what we're probably going to do. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's and that was you know, well, we're we're gonna, we'll do more about it. But it that was a it's, oof, tough shoot, tough shoot because we shot all with real ice cream. We didn't use mashed potatoes or you know anything like that. Well, there's where you went wrong. That's right. <laughs> So we only ended up having like two minutes, three sure. minutes tops. Did you so. use cold bowls and things to try to keep yep. it colder longer? Cold bowls, dry ice, you know, you scoop and then you put it in the freezer. And, you know, somebody suggested that we use, you know, dip the cones in liquid nitrogen or something. What, like, what am I, Bill Nye the science guy? I'm not going to do that. You wish you were Bill Nye the science guy. I do kind of wish. <laughs> 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 Nikki had a, had a story about Bill Nye real quick. Uh, a friend of hers saw him. At, I think it was at a hotel or something. Yeah. Uh, and he was, she saw the back of him and she's a big Bill Nye fan. And he was walking toward the elevator. And uh, just as he got to the elevator, she, she recognized him and, and, and uh, screamed out, Bill. And she said, he turned around, got into the, ele- he got into the elevator, stepped into the elevator, turned around and put up his hands and just said, science. <laughs> and the door was closed. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> He has a little guest thing on that numbers show that I've been watching lately. Ah, uh, yeah, I like Bill. Uh, okay. Yeah, my friend Chelsea's good friends with him. Ah, see, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I got it. In fact, next time I'm out in LA, I gotta see if she can hook me up with him. He's starting a new show, apparently. Huh. Uh, so another thing somebody sent me just is which has to do with today's uh, the photographer of the week this week. Um, is uh that that there are. They're portraits of photographers. Uh, okay, see, this is a nice dovetail. This is, I see what you did there. You like that? You're, you're a sneaky one, Wadman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're photographs of photographers. Um, now, you know a lot of photographers, right? Would you say you know a lot of photographers? You mean other photographers like myself or fancy photographers? <laughs> Whatever. People who take photos for a living. I know other photographers, yes. Okay. Is is there a thing where where do photographers like having their own photographs taken by no, and large? Photographers hate having their picture taken. Okay. I think by and large. Um and there the, I mean there's fifteen of or so of these in here. And there's, you know, Elliot Irwitt and there's Ernst Haas and there's uh, Bert Stern and all these like monster guys, right? Mm-hmm. Arnold Newman. I like this Horst P. Horst guy. Uh, I just recently found his stuff. I kind of like it. You do? Yeah. Okay. And Lair Teague is in there, which who I always like because he oh, took wow. his- Oh, wow. Kartesh is in here? Wow. He took his pictures when he was like six. Yeah, there's Kartesh. Uh, okay. Now, who is this guy that took the pictures? Uh, these are, I think they were, all, oh, uh, Michael Summeroff, whom I don't know, but somebody sent me this, this link and these are actually quite nice. These pictures, um, you notice that some of the people aren't looking into the camera, right? Yes. And do you notice how many of them are covering their faces in random different ways? That is interesting. I, I would say probably, let's see what 70% of them. Yeah. 80% maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They're hiding. Yeah, Exactly. Um, which is fascinating. I love the photo of Mary Ellen Mark. You do, huh? Yeah. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful with her hands like that? Ah, beautiful shot. <laughs> no? Yeah. It's, it's a little too 
George O'Keefe for me. Ugh. Whatever. Anyway, the point of this was that photographers don't generally like getting their picture taken, uh, and our photographer this week has taken pictures of a lot of photographers. Uh, and I've met this guy. His name is John Longard. He is a photographer. He lives in New York, and he's an older guy. He like, was born in the 30s. And uh, he was one of the original photo editors for People Magazine back in the 60s or the 50s when People Magazine was an actual like photo magazine. It was more like life than the crap that it is now. Um, Not like a tabloid. Yeah. And I think he, I think he, he was our, our, uh, photo editor for, for like life as well. I mean, he's, this guy's, his his stuff is amazing. This guy's been around. Uh, and he's, he's literally done, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Uh, yeah. Born 1934. He was at Harvard. Uh, life had him shoot something, Back in 1956, you know, just okay, called so he, him up he shot this Beatles shot of of the Beatles in the pool, very famous shot. Yeah, he's he's this guy's shot everything, uh, and it, one of the books that he did last year that I saw him speak about um, was is is called uh, Age of Silver: Encounters with Great Photographers, and it is a bunch of black and white portraits of photographers, sort of in their element. Mm-hmm. So they have you know. Uh, Annie Leibovitz out on the gargoyle on the Chrysler building. Uh, Ansel Adams, you know, uh, you know, which which I just think is oh, oh the, the Ansel Adams one isn't really there, is it? Um, all kinds I love of the Avedon shot too. That's oh, nice. the Avedon shot's great. And one of the cool things that he did was first of all he had time with these guys because he knew a lot of these guys from back in the day. Uh, but one of the cool things that he did was not only did he take portraits of the photographers, he also had them or their curator people pull out original negatives of some of their most famous photographs, and he shot the negatives on light boxes. Yeah. So the Walker Evans shot of the studio with the with all the, like the little headshots in it. Right, right. Th- there's the you know eight by ten negative sitting on a light box with some guy holding it down. Uh, Margaret Burke White uh, picture from um, uh, two you know two and a quarter by three and a quarter inch film of a Nazi concentration camp. The people like behind the barbed wire. Uh, the Yusuf Karsh picture of Winston Churchill, the original negative. Wow. Uh, Crazy I love the story stuff. behind that shot. Oh yeah, where he, yeah. Where he grabbed his cigar. That was great. And and, and it's now, just, is this a good book? Should I get this book? It is a pretty great book because it has little stories in it too. Uh, you should put the Amazon link. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it in there. Uh, Imogen Cunningham uh, pictures mm. in here. Speaking of our past people, um, it's it's just it's a really Cartier Bresson him and Cartier Bresson. Wow. Uh, he has got pictures of Cartier Bresson trying to fly a uh, a um, uh, a kite. Nice, which is pretty genius. Uh, picture of Kertesz. I mean, there's all kinds of nice pictures in here, but definitely the kind of thing where he spent time with them. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Uh, in in a way that a lot of people haven't, and I think he had a certain level of trust that a lot of people don't normally get. Right. Uh, there's a great picture of of him and and Cartier Bresson. Where uh, Cartier Bresson like kept pulling his camera, he had like his Leica out, and he kept like kind of he was trying to um, John was trying to get a, a, a profile shot of Cartier Bresson against the window, 
And Carter Bersenich kept, like, pulling up his Leica to the corner of his eye sort of portrait and just snapping pictures of John while John's taking nice. pictures of him. Uh, which I just, I mean, and Brisson was an old man at the time, you know? Right, right, uh, right. In fact, you know, it's kind of cool. They have his negative. Carter Brisson is the one of the guy jumping over the hoop in the railway yard. You know that oh, famous picture? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's the original negative of that, which is fascinating because apparently uh, as World War II began, uh, he had each of his negatives cut apart to fit them into a tiny cookie tin for safekeeping. Huh. So it is not a str- off of a strip. It's a single negative that's like cut. Wow. And what's really kind of cool, interesting about it, though, is that uh, the the negative has a lot more on the left-hand side than you see in most prints. So it's cropped. Like, the prints that you see are cropped Hmm. in on the negative a little bit, which is just kind of neat. But uh, This is neat. I'm looking at some of the photographs. Oh, this shot of him with the kite is fantastic. Kind of cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, you know, there's some pretty amazing stuff in here. Um. Hmm. So yeah, I think I mean you can find a lot of this stuff online. Still, we've talked about this. There's something about the object. Exactly. I'm going to order this right now. Okay, and you can probably find it pretty cheap, right? It's like thirty bucks. There you go. You can probably find a used one even cheaper. It's actually uh, quite a nice book. Probably. Uh, and the the Lewis Hine picture of the guy, you know, uh, with the wrench on the big giant boiler. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got, you know, we got that one, uh, the negative of that, the original negative. I just think that the idea, see, there's one thing that has gotten lost in the move to digital in that not only the print was an object, but the negative itself was an object. Mm-hmm. And the negative itself was in the place where the picture was taken. Do you know what I mean? Right. So if, you know, uh, uh, Burke White took that picture of the, at the, of the concentration camp victims behind the barbed wire before they let them out, the, that was sitting 10 feet from these people who almost died from torture. You know what I mean? Sure. But that, that, that physical piece of celluloid or plastic or, you know, whatever the heck they're made out of back in the day. Um, it also has weight. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that, ex- that, that piece of plastic experienced light and that is what that image is. And I understand that part of the mystique of film. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that most people who are talking about film, I think that they're talking more about what it imbues the image that comes out. Right. Which in some the, ways the, I the, think is The film less itself is merely a byproduct that got us this image. Exactly. Rather than the, the, the film having a life of its own right. and a weight and a, and a, and a, and a gravitas of yeah. its own. And I yeah. think that's, to me, that is what is special about film. You know, when I was in Japan a few years ago, I shot like 24 rolls of, of, of film, in my Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. And I've since taken them home and I, I had scanned all of them. I put them in pages and I scanned all the pages so I could have sort of contact sheets. And I've taken those contact sheets and put them all in one big giant 19,000 pixel by 12,000 pixel image um and i'm planning on getting it printed either as just a big giant print that would be pretty neat or even a transparency and having that on the wall so Mm -hmm. you can actually look at like these and but what's cool about it is that those those pieces of plastic were in japan with me you know sure um which is just kind of it's there's something special about that unto itself but i don't you know whether objects have imbuing them with meaning is 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 a real thing or not i don't know well i think they're imbued with the meaning that we give them 
Yes. I think any any object that that is the that is the thing about the object True. is is whatever its materials are are meaningless. It's it's the sort of amalgamation of those materials and how they affect us. Yeah. True. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, there's a great shot of Bernie Abbott in this in here too. Bernie Abbott took that picture the the one picture that you know of um, <laughs> the one picture that I know the one that you recognize of Ache with the oh. with the big long coat on did you ever yep, see that picture yep 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 I think Bernie Abbott took that when she was like a very young and here she wow. is alive in 1981 and John had taken her picture um, so this cool. guy's still alive and he's still around I heard him speak about this stuff he was very nice shook his hand talked to him for a few minutes um but these guys, you know, they, it's 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 very much sort of a um, a celebration of a certain kind of photographer, mm-hmm. and 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 it's neat in that way. And there's some like little stories and, and and anecdotes and stuff in here too, which are really good. So we'll put we'll put that in the show notes. So John Longard, good job. Uh, here's a link, twenty bucks from Amazon. Used. There we go. Very good. All right, stick it in the show notes, and I will take care of that. No way, I'm gonna buy it for myself. There's only one copy. Okay. Well, then I will put a different link in there. You know, uh, I've been putting at the bottom of the show notes. So if you go to uh, ontakingpictures.com slash podcast, you will get the show notes, all the little posts for are each all episode. all of the episodes up, up there now? Because yes. I know they, they weren't. Yeah, I think they are. Okay. Um, so you can go there and you can look at the show notes. And down towards the bottom, I usually put one of those. Uh, I was putting links to books and stuff on Amazon. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you guys go buy them through there, you can help support the show because it costs us a little money to make this happen. Um, and it doesn't cost you anything. Amazon just gives us a little kickback. Uh, I, I was putting links to the to the books and stuff, but I've now switched over to having one of those sort of like rotator image-based ones. Sure. So uh, go click through there. Wait, is that – that's on the – that's on each page or on each post? On each post. Okay, each post. Yeah. Going forward, that's how it'll be. Last last week I did that too, but I'm, I'm going to do it going forward as well. Okay. Um, but it's a uh, it's kind of neat, you know. So you can go find the stuff on Amazon. Yep. Uh, hey, if uh, if if people have suggestions for shows, can they can write in, right? They can absolutely write in to podcast at ontakingpictures.com. We uh, we love your feedback. We love your. We get a lot uh, of feedback. We do. We? In fact. I think there was some feedback on the blog, which we didn't actually read into, so we may have to save that for next week. But the uh, last week's post uh, got a couple really good uh, comments by people. Oh, Caroline Davis wrote in and wrote that really great thing. All right, mm-hmm. one, one last thing. You, you got to read that one. That's about the camera store? Yeah, the film? This, this one's yeah. great. Yeah. All right, quick one. Uh, now, Caroline wrote in saying that she worked at a camera store. We read this like episode four or something, right? A while uh, back. I think, yeah, I think it was four or five. Okay. Um, so she said magic juice LMAO. Uh, so I've only just begun listening to this episode, but the discussion on film versus digital hit something uh, with me. As I said before, I work at a camera store, a Monday, a well-dressed woman by Cleveland standards in her mid to late fifties came in and asked how long it would take to us to develop two rolls of film. I told her to be back Wednesday, which really shocked her. I explained that due to the expense and the environmental concerns of developing film and all our stores, we now send rolls uh, to our main lab downtown for processing. She was leaving for Florida on Wednesday, so our services weren't going to work for her. I didn't take it personally, but she seemed kind of irritated. So she took her film, headed to the door, but before she walked out, she turned around and said loudly, quote, film really is better than digital, you know, end quote. I love that. 
What am I supposed to say to that? I sort of stuttered around and said, okay, and left it at that. Yeah. But it seems really like a weird argument to have in 2012, and I haven't had to defend digital professionally in a long time, but I started to think about this well-dressed woman in her 50s and how maybe for her it really is better. She probably thinks computers are some fad that she can wait out. She probably has no clue that film... uh that that with film, her images are tweaked by a lab to improve color, contrast, and density. That she's comparing those final prints with the images, like just out of camera on digital. Uh, I don't think digital is better or worse. It's just different with some amazing advantages. By the way, thanks for talking about curiosity. Apparently, I missed the whole thing, and you guys put it uh, put it into perspective for me. So we like Caroline Davis. She's yeah, all right. That's a, I, 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 I love that. I love the really just all indignant. It really is better. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, and, and to, to her point, I don't, I don't think she's wrong. I think a no. lot of people feel that way there. I've, I've read uh, a number of pros recently are still shooting film for certain things because there is something about it. And, it, and we've talked about it at length and, and I hope continue to, um, not that it's better, not that it's worse, but just that it is different. It is different, and and it 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 is not. It takes more care to do right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think I think uh, Caroline Davis is is our new BFF. So we gotta go, <laughs> we gotta go out to Cleveland and hang out with her. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, One from the road. We could do a road trip. We could we could meet there. That's about halfway, right? I think so. What's, that would be kind of cool. Where's Ohio? I don't know. In the middle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so terrible. Know. We're going to get beat up. <laughs> it's like, isn't it like north of the middle? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've heard something like that. Uh, so, if yeah, if you have comments, suggestions, uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, and, uh, or you can go uh, comment on the blog post. So it's uh, ontakingpictures.com slash podcast. And uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Bill Wadman on Twitter, and you are at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-D-D-1-R. Oh, wow. It's not in the middle. It's way over there. It's like over by you. Yeah, it's close to us. It's like eight hours away. (laughs) I've been to Cleveland before. Boy, I would have failed miserably in a geography test. I was in Cleveland once for a – I've only been to Cleveland – well, I've been there twice. Once for a funeral, which was very sad. Uh, But that was only for like 24 hours. And then once for a shoot for like 24 hours. But – we took a car from the airport, went to the hotel, shot the shot the next day, and left from there straight back to the airport. Huh. Never spent too much time there. You ever uh, been to Detroit? I want to go to Detroit. And take some pictures? It seems yeah, yeah. very run yeah. down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're going to stop uh, patrolling certain parts of Detroit with police oh, good. because it's just, it's like <laughs> too far gone. There's no one there. Wow. Yeah, Isn't that sad? I mean, really, it was another show, but a once great city yeah everything goes up and down someday new york won't be the best city in the world oh that's never gonna happen <laughs> look it already happened <laughs> oh it's so wrong okay uh anything you want to add uh, uh no okay. no thanks for listening yeah. um keep them keep them coming yeah spread uh, the word go to itunes yeah, spread the, uh, go to iTunes. the show yeah i because i think we're one of the best out there i hope so that's our goal um, that's pretty cool All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, Enjoy your week, everyone. Yep, see you. Thanks. Bye.